0: The World Journeys podcast, travel, discovery, exploration, and more. Welcome to episode 9 of the World Journeys Podcast. Um, Today we're talking backpacking Europe and uh, we're chatting with uh, my good friend and uh, very entertaining guy, Jock Reed Hill. So uh, without much ado, may the podcast begin. Hello, it's the World Journeys Podcast. Andrew, your host, and today we are speaking to and with the very esteemed and sometimes pressed Jock Reed hill Yay! How
1: you doing, Andrew?
0: Yes, there's, there's actually 65 people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they were yes. cheering. At us. Actually, no, it's just us. It's just me and Jock. <laughs> I'm all right, Jock. How about yourself? I'm
1: very well, thank you. What's news?
0: What's news? What's news? I've got a podcast. That's what's news. That's a good podcast, then. Jock is a very good friend of mine mm-hmm. for a number of years now. Um, and uh, he's a very talented writer. <laughs> and um, he's also a very talented actor.
1: Mm-hmm. It's all subjective, but. Uh, and chef. Yes, yes, that's a guilty pastime. But
0: and uh, he's also been backpacking before, haven't you? Yep.
1: Yeah, it's went a number of years ago. So
0: and where did you go? Went to England
1: for a while and stayed over Christmas and then to France over New Year's and a bit after and then a bit of time
0: in Turkey. A bit of time in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And that's your experience outside
1: Australia? For the most part. I've... I've been a person in Australia who's realized that there are a lot of places in Australia that are quite as good and attract less international fees. So, uh, explored around the East Coast a fair bit, but for the most part, not out overseas.
0: What um, what would you say are the highlights of Australia's East Coast?
1: The Australian East Coast? I, I will always tell everybody this, and that is Mission Beach, which is a little place just up from Townsville in Queensland. It's... Where the scrub meets rainforest. And there's big signs saying beware of the cassowaries all over the place. Didn't get to see one. They probably would have killed me if I, I had come across it. Beware them. of the... Cassowaries. Is that a kind of crocodile? No, it's a big scary bird. Think uh, a vicious hell in you. Hmm. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. They're, of course, Australian nationals. Very territorial. Like, you can't really go near them. How are they
0: recommended as a pet?
1: Well, of course... Well, it depends on how... Uh, if you guarded a place with the where you'd be expecting people to laugh it off and try to get in and get killed by these things okay yes yeah, so they're, they're not friendly but mission beach in itself miles of nothing pretty much just fantastic long beach there's usually no one else there especially in the off season uh you can see islands just off the coast and you can see the rains coming in off them and the occasional people parachuting down on one of their day trips onto the beach it's really nice like, you get there by flying did you it's car Car all you the way
0: up there because that for...
1: I flew to Townsville and got a car. Ah, yeah, no, no, Driving all the way just straight to Mission Beach is a bit of suicide.
0: I was going to say, is it north of Townsville? Yes. So for, uh, for those familiar with the shape of Australia, Townsville is, uh, is pretty much right in the north. It's north of Cairns. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm not
1: sure. Is it? I think it might be before Cairns. Goodness, me, Now we just now we just sound like amateurs. Yes, we just sound like amateurs. enthusiastic amateurs. Never had much fun. Australia,
0: Australia, Australia. It's capital Sydney, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's Perth, mate. It's Perth. Oh, Perth, oh, capital in money,
1: the yeah. capital in the east. No, it's uh, yeah, geography's not so good. I remember places, not geography.
0: Have you have you been have you been sort of? West of the East Coast? Have you been South Australia or NT or I've
1: been over to South Australia to Adelaide once and wasn't particularly impressed, but uh, the reason for being there wasn't a particularly good one. The, um... Probably going to go up to the Northern Territory later in the year. or planning to up near Darwin or just out of there. Got a few friends up there who've invited me up to say hello. Oh, but highly I, I highly
0: recommend it. Highly recommend. Yeah, here
1: yeah, it's a very strange place. Like, where modernisation and maybe a more cosmopolitan view of the world hasn't quite expanded there yet. From everything I've heard.
0: Well, you'll be surprised. Uh, Darwin itself has like a, has a real backpackers district.
1: Oh, Darwin. that sounds like St Kilda in Melbourne. That's fantastic. Yeah,
0: actually, probably. Yeah. That's if you want point. to be, if
1: you want to be drunk and. Uh, really probably noisy and looking to get even more drunk on a Friday or Saturday night you'll always wind up there sort of thing
0: yeah I took I took a bus out there to Kakadu and stayed a couple of nights in Kakadu in a hostel but uh and they had these little huts that were supposed to keep you pretty cool and it wasn't too bad Mm. um they were sort of they were like open to the (coughs) elements like but they were it was like a solid tent it was like a solid tent with a proper floor and a proper bed um and it wasn't that expensive. I think it was like 30 bucks a night or so, something. And I had the whole thing to myself. So oh, really? That's what I was
1: about to say. Maybe even yeah, less. Yeah.
0: Maybe it was more like two. Because I think it was like a dorm. And they're supposed to have four per person. I mean, sorry, four people per, per potentially, hut. Essentially, yeah. But they um, didn't have anyone else there when I was there. That which sounds just, fantastic. That's my kind of dorm. When I'm <laughs> backpacking. It's just like...
1: oh, backpack. Look at all these people. I'm going to my room now. Ooh, there's nobody there. fantastic.
0: I love, the, I love meeting people in hostels, but when it comes to sleeping, I value sleep. Yeah. And a little bit of space.
1: Yeah, the first experience I ever had with a, with a hostel was like the first time I'd gone to stay in one. Anytime I'd been anywhere else, I'd usually been for a proper holiday. So it's, you know, spending lots of money and lying around, being extremely lazy and a gentleman of leisure for a short while. But it was the first hostel experience and it was great. I'll always remember them, two mad Greeks. I cannot quite remember the island off the top of my head where they came from, but they were crazy. Like they they slept like logs, and when they woke up, they were really noisy. But they normally took it immediately downstairs to the bar we were above. So it was it was exciting. They are the people with I, uh, whom I first tasted Fosters. It's an Australian apparently icon all overseas. You go anywhere, especially in the UK, Fosters, Fosters, Fosters everywhere you see. None in Australia. It's quite hard to find
0: sometimes. It is. And how did you find the taste of Fosters? I can see why we export it. Yes, we don't want it in the country. <laughs>
1: yeah, see, people look at I found a bottle of it once and bought it at a bottle shop, and people looked at me funny. It's, it's Australian. I'm Australian. I'm telling everybody how I feel.
0: i got a couple of good friends over in the UK, and the first time that I went and stayed with them, um, they, took, they took me out to a pub, um, and, I, was, and I, tried a, I tried the British ale. Mm-hmm the warm stuff, uh, it was just not for me.
1: Oh, I loved it very much.
0: I can imagine you would. Yeah. But no, just, I don't know, it just wasn't for me, so they said, oh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get you a lager. And I came back, the thing was almost as bad as the ale. <laughs> I, like, oh. I said, what is this, it's not Foster's, is it? And they went, yep. <laughs> <yeah.
1: laughs> Uh, they had a couple of nice ones over there, but I did enjoy the most the pub culture over there is a lot different, very nice is it's nearly always quiet. if they have music on it's never overbearing. I mean the tactic they use a lot around Melbourne, uh, especially is you go into a pub, they have the music up really quite loud, so if you can't speak to people and have a conversation which you go to the pub to do, you're going to be drinking more. so it's a subtle way to get you hammered and in out, spend all your money and leave so uh... yeah in england they don't do that except they have a very strange culture of by eleven o'clock or twelve o'clock they just ring the bell and say last drinks then get out but last drinks normally means go up to the bar and buy three pints or however many you intend on drinking for that evening so it was walking in they go, oh it's been a long day wandering around at museums having a great time then you walk in have one pint they ring the bell and you go right you go up there and say i want a pint of that one that one and that one And the poor lady behind the bar gives you a withering look because she has to hand pump all of these because they're sitting under the barrels and they're staring at you, getting her arm really beefy. I I feel I was giving her a workout, but uh, she didn't appreciate it. So it was,
0: yeah. The good thing I would think would be that because the the ale is uh, warm, that there's... there's, Room temperature. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Room temperature. (laughs) You don't like if you have a lager. A lager should be cold. Lager does not taste nice warm or room temperature. Um, But if it's already if it's made to be drunk at room temperature, then Mm. you can sit on those three or four beers for an hour or two. Doesn't quite matter very little. And uh, you know the taste isn't going to change that much.
1: No, this is probably the best thing about it is you could have a whole stack of them sitting there, and it's only if they started going mouldy would they be bad. Mm. Or properly off. It was interesting that every single pub had their own special, their own special brand, their own special brew, which I was pretty sure was probably all the other beers they couldn't sell mixed up into one. But um, mm. hey, why waste it? There's certainly foolish tourists like me wandering in there saying, "Oh, that's a novel idea. I'll have, I'll have all of those."
0: Did you try the um, the drink that they have over there? Is it a spider or something? If they mix this, they mix cider with beer.
1: I've had one of those. Yes. I don't see the point, you should probably just drink one or the other, but if you want to mix it together, I mean, this was a place where they, in a couple of the hostels, thought it was the rage to do a sake bomb, which is, that sounds pretty interesting, like you're actually going to do something clever, but no, it's pouring a shot of sake into a beer and drinking it. So you drop the, drop the shot glass in and drink the whole thing down, well that doesn't,
0: I don't really see the point. There is a thing that they do somewhere. <laughs> I can't remember where it was, because I only heard someone talk about it. It could have been Japan, but I never saw anyone do it in Japan. Um, but there was something they did with wine, and they mixed it with another drink. Now, what, what drink would you mix with wine, do you think? You may find this a little hard to believe. People have done lemonade with wine. This, is, this of, is even This is worse milk. That would
1: curdle milk. Probably not that bad. No. That would be it. Milk and wine sounds like you're actually asking for some sort of horrific hangover and a messy vomit.
0: He put Coca-Cola with wine.
1: I can't remember where it was. No, I've seen people who thought that putting, you know, making a glass of sangria or having ice and red wine on a hot day. Oh, that's a bit strange. Why? You just chill white wine. You may as well try it. I mean, that has a mo- modicum of sense, but Coke, Coke with it? Or are they actually just trying to drink something that gives you the alcoholic content of wine but doesn't actually taste like wine?
0: Well, it doesn't have the alcoholic content of wine. It has, you know, depending on whatever your proportions is, you could have it, couldn't you, if it was 50-50? I
1: suppose. I mean, there's shandies, people putting beers on the top of a little bit of uh, lemonade and beer just to make it taste a little yeah, sweeter.
0: No, I don't get shandies. Yeah,
1: apparently it's a 40-year-old woman drink, but they say that of gin and tonics as well, and they're quite nice on a hot day, even if you aren't 40 years old and of the female persuasion. So it's, yeah, it's fine. There are a bunch of strange drinking cultures, and it's one thing to be said for England is we might think of ourselves as incredibly hard drinkers in Australia, but they are infinitely more serious about it in England. It's not even serious, it's just done. Opening a beer before lunchtime is generally considered the thing to do, if you can be bothered doing it. All their beers have less quantity and more potency. So it's yeah. You start off in this. You get Stella's and they're 50, 70 mils smaller, and they're a lot more alcoholic. An extra couple of um, points of percentage. It'd knock them back because you drink them quickly. Nevertheless, yeah, well, a pint's a pint. Indeed, which is why you go to the pub for it, unless you really want to get stonked. But they're wonderful. I think there's a certain a certain height in the world. Maybe it's the tropic or one of the the, the, the tropics, or if you get to the certain edges where people suddenly need to wear coats, and this drinking culture just kicks in. So. You
0: enjoyed the pub culture in the UK.
1: I did. I very did. Anyone that didn't have a hostel above it was lovely. So, yeah, yeah. There's reasons for that, but uh, I think they're pretty evident.
0: Well, you know, I have I have been to a couple of hostels that had good bars, hmm. that were decent. Oh, I didn't say good bar, but... And, I mean, the, the, the key is that you're in a place that has reasonable soundproofing. Otherwise if you do if you do have that six AM train to catch the next day, then you're in trouble. Um.
1: <laughs> the
0: uh,
1: yes, that's kind of how I don't know, the thing you're talking about is exactly what happened in France when we first got there. We'd been booked into my, my travelling companion and I mapped we went, Oh well we've arrived in France, now what we're we gonna do oh it's already miserable and cold out here, it's starting to snow. That doesn't sound like France. At all, never no, no, there's Francois non- no. And we went to a place that he'd booked. He said, well, this looks good. It's called the Peace and Love Hostel. Well, that's a bit of a corny name. It turns out either they have a greater sense of irony than I would have imagined. Because out in the middle of the Stalingrad, which isn't the nicest place to go in Paris, is the Peace and Love Hostel. Peaceful and lovely, it's neither. It is essentially a, a pencil-shaped building and about the same about the same width. So it had about eight floors the uh... including the basement, the basement was the kitchen area all the other ones were these really tight cramped quarters with a big spiral staircase that you couldn't get any suitcase up and the bottom area was possibly the worst excuse for a house techno bar you've ever seen when we first went wandering into this place there was two burly security guards out the front, we're very tired the first thing we see is a guy screaming as he's torn all of his clothes off Blind drunk, went screaming across the road to go and uh, have a good interview at the trash fires going on the other side with the homeless people wandering around. We went in there and said, could we please get our room? And they said, oh, you're Australian. We have other Australians here. And we go, really? Where? Do you see that guy outside hassling the homeless people over the road? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, this is going to be interesting. So yes, it was uh, the type of place that without fail, there was a fight there every night. So it was... Um, entertaining yeah it was exciting I suppose you'd say exciting in retrospect pretty abysmal way over there but uh, yeah we had uh, that it's not really a bunk bed is it called something different if a bunk bed has three beds
0: in it I don't know. Uh, Maybe they're tiers, three tiered. <laughs> a three tiered bunk bed. The uh, don't bottom, I love that. I mean, as if a bunk bed isn't you know crappy enough.
1: Yeah, no. They decided to put three, and they clamped it to the wall. It was like something you got from IKEA that they clamped to the wall in this tiny room. It must have been a jail at some kind, at some time. Have like, you uh, have
0: you tried hostels in Australia?
1: Yes, I haven't. I've been to a couple of hostel parties and I've stayed in them occasionally, but only when I got too drunk I couldn't leave.
0: Well, I can't speak for inner-city hostels, but the ones that I've stayed in... Like, I stayed in the Blue Mountains Hostel. How was that? It was fantastic. Mm. Uh, having said that, it wasn't... It's not exactly fantastic for partying, but you figure if, if the hostel's well enough located, mm. you don't need the hostel for partying. You just go down two doors to where the awesome pubs are. Yeah. Um, and But, I mean, if you're looking for a place that, you know... you. You know it had a huge spotless kitchen you know where like 50 people could cook at the same time mm. compared to the one in jabrovnik which had four flames on a small stove and two of them didn't work <laughs> uh, and, and about three forks and two knives um but you know it was spotless big and i um i'm getting on so i've sort of I've taken to to getting single rooms if they're affordable Mm. in hostels. Because I like the hostel, but um, from time to time, sharing a room with 20 other people.
1: Yeah, there's always... If you've 20 other people, the chances are there's going to be at least four of them that are really irritating in some manner that they don't think they're irritating in.
0: Besides, you know, I know that I snore, so... um, (laughs) You know, I don't want to put people through that, but I mean... 2011, I still went to a number of dorm rooms because the budget just didn't allow for that extra splurge, Mm. especially in the UK and Europe where things are a little bit... um, Can we price, especially capital cities? Having said that, Australia these days is no cheaper. No. Let's be honest. We have to be honest. Um,
1: We're always full of honesty deceit. No, no, no. Duplicity, no. We don't do that.
0: So how many hostels did you stay in over in Europe?
1: Go ask a good question. It's like three in three in Paris. We had to go in to Paris? Yeah, we just in Paris, like separately. Well, actually it was two in a hotel, I believe. Because we went to one, went to the other and went Oh no, let's just go to a hotel. <laughs> I yeah, there may have been an incident with a very nice Frenchman and some very high quality hash, and I was not well for about two days over New Year's. Very uh New Year's in Paris and you can't really leave the bed, so I'm lying there watching a French dub version of the live-action Scooby-Doo, so it seemed like a personal corner of hell. But uh, yeah, leaving the place it was wonderful. Sitting in that room while the maids kept trying to come in and clean up, no, no, not so good. But that was, aside from that, it was quite lovely. There was a bunch of nice ones in, oh, for heavens, I can't remember the name of them, but there was three of them in London proper. Uh, fourth one out in the country area which was almost more bed and breakfasty but uh, we went to Turkey and in Turkey there was one we didn't need any others there was one still remember it's called the Bauhaus
0: House Hotel wonderful wonderful place okay um, so World Journeys listeners just hold, you, hold on to your socks here yeah because um, I think I stayed at the House in Istanbul was it yep, Istanbul? Istanbul proper in down in the little old town yep uh, they had did it have, like, a rooftop bar? Yep,
1: that one. rooftop.
0: We <laughs> stayed at the oh, same Oh, no, it's fantastic.
1: Did you remember Volcano? He was the guy who ran it. He'd run around with Ray-Bans and all day, and I'm pretty sure it's because he was hungover, and it was brilliant because you'd pay $7.50 Australian, and he'd make you a kebab. He would set you up a hookah with whatever flavor you wanted and give you, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's essentially a half-liter a half bottle of nice Turkish beer.
0: I don't remember him, no, but I probably stay there, I stayed there in 20, 2004, so yeah, yeah, he they might out to yeah, different yeah. management. I do remember that the poor, the poor owner there, there was some, um, I mean, we were. Th- I was there in April, I think. I had arrived after coming from Iran. I'd taken a bus from eastern Iran to Istanbul. So that's, that's basically the entire width of Turkey. It was a 36, 38-hour bus ride.
1: That's, um, I, I only took one from the, the um, airport to that place, and that was bad enough. <laughs> it takes you a while to learn that them honking in the streets is just them saying, thank you for giving way, and you think they're constantly arguing until you realise that. Mm, that was, um,
0: that's, actually the, that's actually the way in a lot of countries. It's just a, I know, it's just my here. Just, just the way sort of, all the traffic moves in and amongst itself, especially India. Yeah. And, and asia but um did you enjoy your experience in istanbul i really liked istanbul mm. um so did you just go to istanbul or did you you didn't head anywhere else in turkey
1: well, we thought about heading up to all the the gallipoli and places like that as cliche as it sounds we thought about going around to it but we didn't wind up because we were in the middle of sultan Hemet. they had so many museums so we weren't having a party day or just having a nice time in the actual tourist district we'd go and check out the old town or go and check out some other areas of the place the Hagia Sophia the Blue Mosque and the History Museum they're all worth checking out they are amazing Hagia
0: Sophia is so big Mm. so freaking big the
1: blessed part of it was the guys traveling with Matt is a history teacher and his specialist or the thing he likes to teach is Byzantine history So this is all the Hagia Sophia and things like that. And when we actually walked in there, they had no guides, no maps, giant scaffolding because they're busy taking down everything they've done in there and fixing it up again. And without any guides or maps, people were kind of wandering around going, this is very nice, but I don't really understand the significance. And he was wandering through going, this is fantastic. This is where the Vikings put their graffiti on the wall because there were mercenaries over here and doing all this sort of stuff, like Viking runes essentially. Hagar was here and this sort of stuff. Uh, the, the pictures that were taken down, who they depicted, all that sort of things around the walls. So, Wandering around, and he's going, and this is where this happened, and this is where this happened, and this is where this happened, and we end up getting about 20 people sort of
0: slightly following us at intermittent times, just, just listening a little bit closer. But the question I must ask you is, was he actually telling the truth, or was he just making it all up? If he
1: was making it up, it was a stellar set of lies. He, he was convinced himself. He's, if he's lying, he did such
0: a good job, he fooled himself. I think that would be great to set yourself up as a fake tour guide and making stuff. <laughs> and this is a picture of one of the, the
1: concubines of the emperor. Yes, I know it looks like a man, but they, they had their suspicions and also
0: carried on like this. The Hagia Sophia was actually originally a church that mm. when Islam came over Turkey became a mosque and today it's sort of I think it's supposed to be kind of for all faiths but it's primarily a museum
1: yeah it was when uh, yeah when the Muslims took it I can't remember it was like uh, 1100 around that time like the population was about a million and by the time they'd finished doing it it was down to 30,000 and they decided well this is a big Catholic church or a big you know praise Jesus they said no it's going to be turned into a mosque and you're not allowed to have uh, pictures or depictions of humans in mosques so they told people smash of smash everything down get everything down all the pictures on the walls and these are brilliant mosaics like really talented artistry of the time amazing to look at even now and the artists bless them refused to to smash it like refused to do that they ended up covering it over with a plaster and you could tell today actually when it it ceased to become a mosque and they started restoring all of it they discovered that the people who had actually put the plaster over it had done it with the intent not to damage anything underneath it. Or at least they intended to. So they just went, we're not going to destroy this. We're going to... 800 odd years ago. Yeah, well, they realized they just... It was one of the greatest wonders of the world. The greatest... One of the great wonders. And just destroying it like that to an artist's perfection. I'm, I'm... it's
0: really interesting because a lot of people don't even know about the Hagia Sophia. You know, they think of the great churches and great buildings of the world. Mm. They think of St. Peter's or Notre Dame or whatever. But, I mean, Hagia Sophia is surely up there.
1: Uh, it's because it wasn't a church for a long time.
0: Yeah, that, that's it's, certainly.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I can't imagine it's been particularly large in the Muslim faith as well because while it was a very big Muslim uh, section of prayer, they now have the Blue Mosque right next to it. Which, you know, despite the um, controversy with it having, was it, five or six minarets more than Mecca, and how dare they do that, that place is beautiful.
0: It, it's wonderful. It's and really It's really peaceful of, as well. Yeah. It's, it's a a, really peaceful. Mm. Um, and there's another, there is another thing in, in uh, Istanbul, I have to ask if you visited. Um, there are, like, these underground cisterns. Oh, no, we didn't see you that. I missed that. I missed it. For anyone heading to Istanbul Check out invest, invest in you know you need an hour or so and there you just go down some steps it's almost from memory you'd almost not know it was there, yeah except that it was in the guidebook um, and they, it was highly recommended in the Lowly planet, and I wasn't going to see it, but uh, I'd met a couple of Americans and they were going there. And I thought, all right I'll tag along. Mm it's it is it's like an it's like an underground cathedral there's water everywhere and they pump out um classical music <laughs> <laughs> well it kind of works it kind of works you know And there, there's a giant head on its side i remember a giant stone head on its side i have that etched mm. into my memory but it's really um it's quite otherworldly yeah um you know, it's not the sewer, so I don't think you're going down there. It's going to stink. It's not the sewer. It's like emergency water or something, or mm. overflow. or I'm not sure exactly. Well,
1: if it was inside the, the like where Istanbul actually was, like the old city, it's
0: not far from the Hagia Sophia. It's the but Then same it, then it would probably
1: be the 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 water functions and the aqueduct sort of business from mm. when they could survive sieges. So it was yeah. We um, instead of doing that, I think that was on the cards, but we chose uh, essentially we kind of organized to have three days to go and do things so the last three days uh... one of them wound up just being a little bit drunk and the last two were well partying with everybody at the hostel because we made, met some really good people and the last two days it was the cisterns uh... the old museum uh... the architect the museum of architects had some brilliant things there we've already seen the sultan's palace and Hagia Sophia and it was my friend who loves Byzantine stuff said look I would like to leave here, go straight to the the old wall, the crumbled walls of Old Istanbul, and walk around them. So we spent a whole day walking around the walls. Oh wow. So the old city, so we saw that like, we'd been up in the Sultan's palace, so we'd seen where the battles had happened, where uh, the Byzantines tried to retake the place after the Turks had it, but their their fleet had been destroyed up near the Golden Horn, so they couldn't do it. It's up there pointing all this out, and lies or not, it makes a good story. But walking around and seeing that some of the walls have just been broken down in other parts. There were parts where there was nobody around and almost slum-like areas where you could just walk up the side of this huge thing. No safety rails, no nothing. And this big crumbled wall, you just sit at the top of it.
0: Yeah, I visited that too, but we didn't walk around. We, just, uh, we, just, we went out to where there was obviously a chunky section and we just mm. went up there and took some photos. No, we,
1: we followed the whole, we circled the whole thing, it took a day. It was, yeah, it's a big place.
0: Wonderful. But it must stop at some point, doesn't it? Or at the so
1: Um Well, it's kind of uh, circular. It was more the, the beachfront, it kind of lowers a little bit. Yeah, the fourth didn't, I didn't see that, that. Yeah, yeah we followed front. it all around. Like, uh, look, I'd say only about 30% of it is still standing proper. Yeah. But the places where it are, you get an idea and you understand why this was a fortress city that people had a very hard time taking. I mean, the central section of the, uh, the Western Roman Empire was there it was the capital constantinople couldn't couldn't kill it and when they finally did wow like that place is it's strange to be standing there and realize how many people have died at the walls of where you're standing right now i mean it might have been a thousand years old but a lot of humans have passed through there so Um, they
0: kept the white walkers out yes absolutely absolutely.
1: they defended the wall I, i don't think they'd have any luck with the white walkers these days we got in
0: did you, did you go to Castle Black? Did you see where Jon Snow
1: sits? I may have sniggered at it, yeah. Jon Snow? you oh. nothing,
0: Jon Snow. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. So, basically, in Turkey you just went to Istanbul. How about France? Was it just Paris or did you get out into um,
1: some of the other parts? Yeah, we saw some of the, the countryside around the way, but the, probably the highlight was going to Versailles. That was, that was amazing. I've never been so astounded at decadence. Before you think, back in Paris, there was people starving, and out here you have a castle so lined with gold that they don't even live in any of the rooms; they only used a very small portion of the billions of rooms that are at Versailles. The uh, massively, it was also incredibly funny is how much money was made in that place. Uh, the, the giant, the giant courtyard, all the gargoyles, the beautiful, beautiful place that it is. And out the back of the giant gardens, like brilliant, insanely well-kept, borderline hedge mazes, and big white gravel paths and things like that. And it was about maybe oh, two kilometers or something like that. I don't know the thing. But it was a long way to walk from the back gate of Versailles to the end of the garden, where they have the ludicrously large semi-lake that they built to have fake naval battles on. This is how opulent they were. So what are we going to do today? Well, you know, I fancy a nice bit of. And no, some nice naval battles, well, I can't be bothered going to the sea. I tell you what, we'll build the sea.
0: Let's be honest, Chuck, if if you had the opportunity, you would so be... Influenced.
1: I don't doubt that for a second. I was envisaging getting some refurbished pumpmobiles and having great... just tear-assing around the lawn, having a wonderful time. That would be fun, having races around the gardens of be brilliant. But they had... Instead of Mobiles, they had essentially really long golf carriages that were chained together and it was funny because there's a lot of people who are exhausted by the time they checked out uh, Versailles proper, and then they all immediately jumped in these things, paid a bit of money, and got ferried up to the end where they had a convenient restaurant. So it was right next to know, it was Mary Antoinette's college, uh, uh, not college, her cottage up the back. So I was still there and you'd eat. Oh, that's where Mary was. That's fantastic. Oh, opulence! It was. It was very strange. It was lovely, but mad. It was really mad. It, yeah, you almost felt guilty simply being in it. The, the amount of frescoes and the gold inlays on everything. Just, what what are we going to use for this? We'll, we'll Is it a support structure? Do we need it to keep the building up? No, gold. Just lots of gold. Maybe do a few carvings on it, but gold. But yes, it was, um, yeah, very lovely. The place, uh, the actual town Versailles proper is lovely too. That place is nice in its own right, aside from being eclipsed by the world's biggest well, a decadent palace that's probably still surviving in many regards, but,
0: uh... There's a couple out there. Yeah, couple. Yeah, there th- is the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg. Absolutely. That is, uh... Does that have as much gold, though? There is a fair bit of gold. Yeah, like they the- did like the gold. Mm. They really liked the gold. Sound <laughs> <laughs> like dwarves now.
1: Anyway, um... No, no, so it was last. I'd recommend it if you wind up in, in France. It's certainly worth a checking. It's Daronne it took us forty minutes out of Paris on a, on a train. Get up there and spend a whole day wandering around in this rubbish. The only other problem is every all the other tourists. I suppose it's probably the only other problem. But um, damn those tourists! Damn. Yeah, being one of them, I feel I couldn't. You know, the hypocrisy only goes so far. So it was, it was lovely. I recommend it if you ever feel like going.
0: Well, I think that might be a good uh, opportunity to um, take a break. Mm -hmm. Will you join us again for another podcast? Sure, why not? And that was part one of my interview. Next week, uh, episode 10 will be part two. With Jock Reed Hill, uh, where he will indeed be taking the Capital City Challenge. So please do come back next Friday and uh we'll be talking again with Jock uh and we'll be completing the interview then. So there's something to look forward to. Um don't forget you can find me on the blog, WorldJourneysDiscover.wordpress.com. Uh And, of course, on Twitter, WorldJourney75. So, stay well, everyone, and I'll see you next week. Until then, may the journey never end.